Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I am Father Shane Demon. And I'm Father Travis Crotty. Hey, a special shout out before we start, as we start. Uh, a friend was recently telling me that because the intro music is exactly 30 seconds long, that if you're using uh, podcast apps with a skip feature, it skips just directly to the beginning of our show. So we've got all these people skipping that incredible intro music. Well, can you believe it? <laughs> Shocking. We they, spent they, they don't want so to listen much to, time. They don't want to listen. To, we did spend a lot of putting time. Putting that together. Like we spent like four hours finding the yes. right theme music for that. That was very involved. Maybe some of our listeners hate the theme music and we wasted all that time. But I I'm glad know. that they kind of you have the option to to choose the theme music or skip directly past it. So that's a little outcast Catholic hack. If you hate the theme music, it's mm-hmm. exactly 30 seconds. And if you click the 30 second skip, you get right to the, right to the meat. Perfect. Um, what a nice gift for our I'd, listeners. I'd like to know, maybe somebody could email us, um, who actually likes the intro music. That'd be kind of interesting to know. Jimmy Fitzsimmons is addicted. He loves it. Only just because he listened to like 20 episodes on his way out to Colorado so now recently. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad Jimmy likes the, the, the music. Um, we are recording today from the ice cream capital of the world, Lamar's, Iowa. Something very exciting just happened in Lamar's. Oh, what yeah. just happened? What just happened? Well, yeah. So something very exciting just happened. Um, a, a new gas station was, was born. Wow. A new gas station in Lamar's. <laughs> now listen, Tell us about now listen, it. Father Shane, you're, <laughs> you're um, admittedly a city slicker from Sioux City. Yes. And, you know, there's lots of businesses, lots of restaurants. You don't know the joy of small town folk until a new gas station is built in their community. Now, I have to say, if, if any Lamar's folks are listening or if you're you know, cruising through northwest Iowa, um, yes, we, it was very sad that the J&J Cafe was sold and was taken down so that that's right. It's really about we're, we're on top of the sound effects today. Um, the J&J Cafe of fond memory was sold and demolished to make way for a quick star. I'm a big fan of the quick stars. Yeah. So I am a diehard, diehard Casey's fan. Okay. Casey's is Iowa's gas station. Yes. Their motto is here to stay. And I'm so glad that they are. <laughs> and there's a, there's a Casey's a bl- literally a block away through the alley, uh, from the rectory where I live here in the Mars. Um, I love Casey's. The breakfast pizza is wonderful. Uh, small town, just really hub of culture in most towns in our diocese is the Casey's. However, I walked into this quick star, Father Shane. Yes. It's a, a whole new world of, of gas station delight. Um, really. It's like a full grocery store in there. It, there's so much going on. Um, I'm still kind of unpacking all that Quickstar has to offer, but it's become quite contentious. Everybody had to check it out in that first week. Everybody had to go. Um, their deal that they had was <laughs> they had a dozen of these glazed donuts and boxes. The box of a dozen donuts was 99 cents. Ooh. I think the majority of the boys in my high school each had a box of those donuts because they had to stop before uh, school. Of course. They're all walking around with the glazed donuts. Of course. Um, however, you, you have quite the interesting, um, your favorite item of a quick star 
gas station. I do, but kind we're, of not gonna, we're not going to reveal that on this episode. Oh, because they're all going to buy it for you, right? I, well, I and I don't want 1,400 of them showing up right. on my doorstep. Um, well, if you can guess, if you can email us in, <laughs> guess what that is. We have no prizes to give away, but go ahead and email yeah, us in. Yeah, you can guess anyways. Um, well, I will hopefully you know surprise you with um, one of those items. Yeah, I get the them on future. a rare treat. Rare treat? Well, yeah. it'll be a treat then. I don't want to spoil all it, the time. you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, you can't ruin a good thing. You can't, but we're we're, <laughs> we're glad to be here in the Mars, and uh, very excited about the Quick Star. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this is hilarious. Got to say this: McDonald's changed the letters on their sign, their letterboard sign, mm-hmm. and it was actually tweeted by somebody like from outside of the Midwest because it was so hilarious. The week that Quick Star was just selling stuff like crazy, and they have an impressive selection of like burgers and breakfast sandwiches and all this stuff. McDonald's and Lamar's here put on their board. Don't settle for gas station food. Ooh. And whoever wrote this tweet said, said I love small town feuds. <laughs> uh, when, <laughs> when the McDonald's. Fast food feuds going right, on in Northwest right, Iowa right, here. Right. So, um, I mean, that, that would be a good taste test to have. Maybe I'll have to do that as an activity in the high school. It's like maybe youth group activity. Uh, Quick Star, maybe a blind taste test between mm. Quick Star and McDonald's. Maybe they'll sponsor it. We'll see. I see like a youth group activity. Yeah. You know, that's right. A walking pilgrimage taste test. Ooh, thankfully they're literally two blocks away. So there you go. That'll work. Um, you could do walking quick, rosaries. Quick star in these is, institutions. The, is the Iowa version of the Minnesota franchise. Quick trip, not to be confused with the Kansas quick trip. This one is spelled with a K, right? Quick star with a K, right? Come to Lamar's and enjoy the quick star. Yeah, they're popping up all over the Midwest. They really are. There's another one. Ooh, there's somewhere else I just heard of in the diocese that we're getting one. So your, you know, little treat, uh, <laughs> that's going to be available a lot more often than you, than you wanted to. But, Can't you know, wait. so um, gas stations aside, mm-hmm. what, what's, uh, what are we chatting about today? You know, one of the conversations that I have with frequently uh, with people is we're living in an era in which People are wondering, how do I just really understand authority in my life? Um, obviously, we live in a culture that talks about self-assertion, you know, be yourself, you know, express yourself and do it your way, right? Mm-hmm. And then that, that raises the question, okay, well, what if I'm under someone else's authority and they don't want to do it my way, <laughs> they want to do it their way? Uh, how does that balance itself and, and how do we incorporate that in the spiritual life? People, I think, uh, struggle with this when it comes to politics. I think they under, they can struggle with when it comes to following the directives of, of their boss, their superior, their employer, who might just be legitimately choosing a different preference or, or different, different emphases in a particular situation. But we, we can miss kind of the deeper um, virtue that can be achieved, the, uh, the, different, the, the greater merit that can be achieved when we just really enter into what authentic obedience really is. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can think about someone going to the military. There's a reason why, like, the young soldiers in boot camp are told, you know, to follow the sergeant's commands, even with little minutia, right? Mm -hmm. There is a death to self, a death to willfulness, so that when in combat, they are well-trained to do what their commanding officers tell them to do. The same thing certainly happens in religious life, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, anyone entering a monastery or a convent, uh, knows that there's going to be things that the superior is going to ask you, your prior, your superior, whomever. Um, and all of that is to kind of break down one's own willfulness, realizing I am living for a greater good here. 
that of my religious community or, or of a superior who sees something that perhaps I don't see, and I'm going to have the humility to recognize that. Maybe they're setting me up for something down the road, uh, or you know, they just have some wisdom or, or something is at work here, maybe even just a prompting of the Holy Spirit that they don't fully understand yet, but that there's a, there's a bigger plan at work. And how do we, uh, how do we submit to that higher authority? Uh, you know, um, now that it's the Easter season, we recognize that we've just recently celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the example of St. Faustina is actually quite profound in this regard because our Lord appeared to Faustina and he said to her, draw an enormous X on one of the pages of your diary. And when you when you buy the Divine Mercy chap or the Divine Mercy journal and you and you read this published book, you get to a certain point in the book where there's literally a great big X that takes up the entire page. And it's 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 an extreme example. And you know, Faustina was not as a saint. It's not like she was overly willful and constantly fighting our Lord and everything. But I think he was using that as a teaching moment, not only for her, but most especially for all the readers mm. who would then read the uh, the published diary. Uh, a very kind of bold gesture to say, you die to your will so that you can live for my will. And and at first, you know, given our society here in the Midwest, people like their distance, you know, they like to do things their way. Uh, give me my land, give me my ranch, you know, get away from me. I'm doing things my way. And we can miss kind of well, why was why would that seem so threatening for our Lord to tell Faustina put an X on the page and just die to your own will? Jesus doesn't want us to act like robots, you know. He doesn't want us to act like robots. He doesn't want us to just be little pawns in His fingers. Uh, but He actually does want us to say, Lord, Your goodness and Your will is going to be providing me so much more happiness and so much more holiness that I willingly submit to something bigger than myself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And what uh, you, you nailed it there with our experience of kind of the libertarian spirit of, especially like the rural Midwest. It's like mm-hmm. I moved here so I could have my own land. I remember as a kid learning very quickly, there are certain things you can do on a farm that you can't do in town. Absolutely. It's like you burn whatever you want on a farm place. Right. Like you shoot off whatever you want in a farm place. There's right. just like this understanding. It's like this is my property. I do whatever I want. It's really hard to translate that into understanding our experience as being obedient sons and daughters to God our Father. Mm-hmm. Because often in in a, like a political experience, like you said, the idea is obedience just seems like I'm, I'm doing whatever they tell me just because – I have to, or I'll go to jail or something. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's with a lot of reluctance that you follow the laws or follow the rules. Right. Um, whereas it's so different with that ex- example with Faustina or anytime God invites us to, to deeper obedience, he has a greater good in mind, greater plan than we have for ourselves. Absolutely. And in fact, St. Thomas Aquinas in the middle ages, he taught that obedience is actually stemming from reverence. So, you know, like your reverence for God and out of love and respect for in that reverence makes you obedient, right? Hmm. Your reverence for civic authority makes you obedient to civic laws. Not perhaps because like you're best friends with the political rulers, but because you have a reverence for the office they hold, the job they have to do for the common good, and just for the just and uh, proper ordering of civic society, you want to live for that in obedience, um, 
And the same could be true about just reverence, uh, ordering it towards a greater good in your marriage, in family life, in your parish, in your school, in your town, your whole nation, your diocese, whatever. When there's a reverence for something bigger than yourself and you want that to maintain a just ordering, a proper functioning, well, of course, it's then easy to want to be obedient to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might not always like every decision that's given to us. We might not always like uh, the way in which obedience is asked of us. But when there is a reverence for an organization or a relationship bigger than us, then it's kind of easy to die to self. Well, not always easy. Yeah, but you know, you see the you see the proper ordering, right? right? Yeah, I, I went to. I've said before, I went to college seminary with Benedictine monks, and obedience is kind of like, in particular, monastic life, religious life, in all of its facets. But in part, there's a particular thing about monastic life of come to this place, stay here, and pray, and be obedient to the abbot. That's mm-hmm. like kind of the whole, <laughs> there, there are a lot of things that delineate from that, but that's monastic life. Right. Come and follow the life of this community, period. Like mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> some have actually described Benedictine spirituality like that. It's like show up, come to prayer, and keep living your life as a monk. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, and like, and the Lord reveals himself there. But um, a priest and a monk who helped out in the seminary, I asked him about that with obedience at one point. He said, you get to a point in your life as a monk where, you're trying to anticipate the needs of the abbot, your superior, and anticipate the needs of the community rather than kind of waiting to be told to do something and then reluctantly doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that reverence actually helps helps you grow mm-hmm. into this perception of what what's actually the greater good here and how can I just anticipate the need of, of my community, my superior, that I'm actually so ready to help and to and to do what's what's good for the community that when I'm asked to do something, I'm I've already almost kind of primed my my will for that. Right. I mean, just think of any parent who gets to a point in raising a child, maybe they're eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen years old, whatever. The parent at a certain point just kind of throws up their hands and says, "Why do I always have to take you tell you to take out the trash? Mm-hmm. You know, don't you love this family enough to know that I'm always going to ask you to take out the trash on Tuesday evening or mm-hmm. whatever? You know." Why do I have to tell you to always clean your room when you know it's an expectation for the family under this right. roof, you know? And, and that, that, that reverence or that, that change uh, towards seeing, you know, the bigger picture and the common good of the whole hasn't happened yet for some of these children, right? right? And, well, and I think that's so similar to just even like uh, our adult life. That experience of maturity is a move from selfishness. So like the young boy... He only thinks about himself every week. He doesn't see that, oh, wait, I can actually make this easier for myself and my family if I just did this thing instead of throwing this big fit. But that's where that kind of that boyish and childish tendency hangs on into our adult life. If you don't experience that uh, maturity, it's like, I'm, I want to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to do what makes me happy. And there's really no concern for what's the greater common good and the reverence for the common good like Aquinas talks about. And there might be a moment in which people are just... Um saying, well, I'm just going to grip my teeth and bear it, and out of duty, yeah. I'm going to be obedient. Okay, and that works. I mean, it even if you're just gritting your teeth and bearing it out of a sense of duty, well, the, the, you are serving the greater good, and there's going to be some sort of a functioning that comes out of that. But you can go one step further, and that's, that's when you're entering into the, the spiritual realm of obedience, of really just wanting to sacrifice your will to find the Lord present in that, mm. 
and to say, how can I actually grow in my personal virtue right now? Okay, I don't like the decision that my bishop has made for me here. How do I how do I actually find Jesus and remain in communion with that, and you know find a deeper uh, relationship not only with your superior but even with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I how do I die to myself and uh, and just find freedom so that I don't live with resentment and bitterness? Yeah, uh, the local mayor has made a decision. The governor of my state has made a the decision. The school board, the principal. Yeah, yeah. It goes on and on and on. It might be an employment issue. Certainly, we see this countless ways with COVID protocols right now. Yeah, I mean, everyone suddenly has become over the past year an uh, an expert in infectious disease, right? In epidemiology, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Everyone knows what's best even though the experts themselves don't exactly know what twists and turns are coming next right. with the pandemic. Everyone seems to have figured out how the vaccines work, what social distancing should or should not be employed, how the masks should or should not be used. Right. Everyone's got their agenda. And I think what's being lost in so many people, whether it's politics, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's just how their parish or their diocese is functioning where is the deeper virtue being expressed with obedience? Do we have enough reverence for those above us, in the, as the fourth commandment says, to honor thy father and mother, which also includes authority and superior figures? Do we have the, the willingness to enter into that for a spiritual good and say, by dying to myself and living for a higher authority, I will find God? Mm. Maybe, not, maybe not explicitly, but implicitly, there will be growth in holiness, and I offer this to the Lord so that I, not only do I avoid resentment and bitterness, as I said earlier, but Lord, come and manifest yourself in this and draw me closer to yourself, you who were always so obedient to your father. Hmm. I think we've talked about Walter Chiswick before on the show, haven't we? I don't remember. Anyways. We're up to about 40 episodes now, so I don't well, remember. So maybe, wow, 40 episodes. Here I think so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Walter Chiswick, this, this priest who was a prisoner in Russia for 25 years, I think, right? Wrote this beautiful book called With God in Russia, then another smaller one, easier to access, called He Leadeth Me. Mm-hmm. But he opens up this beautiful understanding of abandonment to divine providence. And that this deeper question in these moments of feeling burdened by uh, the obedience we're, we're, we're called to have um, in, in doing what we're asked out of maybe a duty I mean, he's 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 imprisoned by by the Soviets um, for twenty five years, and he he was able to even receive that as God's providence for him, and know that something that he could in, meet Jesus there. Um, I remember frequently in seminary, our rector would always ask the question in spiritual direction with with his own directees. He'd tell us about or in different experiences in the parish where where's Jesus in that. Where's Jesus in that? Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got this terrible thing. Your bishop's making you do this. You don't like it. Okay, f- okay. Where's Jesus in that? Mm-hmm. It's always a great challenge because it's a lot more comfortable to just like immediately jump to the kind of the com- the space of complaining or the space of resentment or um, the space of kind of disobedience of like, well, the way I'm going to like relieve myself from this uh, burdensome obligation is just to decide not to do it. You know, I think a great example of that is the the protocols and stuff. Mm-hmm. Some people have just resigned themselves. Absolutely not. I will. I will not do what I'm asked to do because it is too much of a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, fine. Where, wherever wherever we fall in that, have we asked that question though of where's the Lord present in this and what's He doing in the midst of this? Um, 
just coming out of Holy Week, it's like he's headed toward the crucifixion and he's nailed to the cross. This, this unnecessary obedience, seemingly unnecessary in the moment that he was this burden that was being placed on him. But yet he received that as the obedience of the father Mm because he knew this greater good. We might not know the greater good, but we can invite Jesus to be with us in the midst of it. Absolutely. And therefore the goal is not just simply, well, I'm going to be compliant. I'm going to get on board and I'm going to, I'm going to just march and step with the rest of the troops. Okay. Well that, that might work for a while, but it's missing the spiritual fruit that could come about when we say, why don't we, why don't we choose obedience for something? Mm a greater good that's bigger than me, a greater reverence of a, of a, of a relationship or organization that will outlast me. Hmm. So there's, I think there's a lot of uh, spiritual fruit that's being lost right now in a culture that uh, feels very uncomfortable with the idea of obedience. And I, and I wouldn't think of that as kind of indentured servitude or just kind of slavery out of compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, obedience actually goes much deeper than that and opens up some pretty deep horizons of choosing something for a greater good. Mm -hmm. Good talking to you, Father Travis. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We look forward to uh, joining you again, and we're going to bounce around some ideas. Any ideas that you might have for future episodes, don't hesitate to let us know. God bless. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless. God bless.